Uh, don't be fooled by the rocks that my gronks. I'm still Jenny from the Bronx. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Lyrics for Lunch, the show that isn't fooled by the rocks that you got. This is the show that does deep dives into famous or not-so-famous stories behind your favorite songs. I'm Aviv Rubenstein. I'm one of your hosts, joined this and every week by... Hello, this is Lindsay Tucker. (laughs) Nailed it. Did a great job. Thank you. So, as you know, listeners, we are now on video you can watch us do this show on youtube and you can also listen to us on the normal podcast apps um there have been no real other changes other than you can see our faces as we're reading our notes yes and like see little clips see little clips you can see see me dancing and singing oh yeah there's a lot of dancing and singing see little clips (laughs) so what are we talking about today Lindsay? today we are talking about jenny from the block the lead single from Jennifer Lopez's third studio album, This Is Me, dot, 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 then. Okay, so I already know nothing. I know, like, less than nothing about this. I thought that basically every Jennifer Lopez album was on the six. On the six? On the six? On the six. Is, is the name of an album that she did. Oh. And it's about the six train going from... Oh, the six. On the six. That's what I said. Over and over again, in fact. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Not true. Well, educate me. I'm about to educate you in a big way. I'm and there's gonna in. be a lot of benefit today. Good. That's all I care about. I mean, who doesn't love a good benefit story? If you could bring more white men into this story, that would be ideal for me. Just so I could relate to it. That's exactly what I was doing here. I knew you like really couldn't handle a woman of color for mm-hmm. like over an hour. Certainly so not. So I over brought in an a hour. prop. Absolutely not. And it's Ben Affleck, a director. <laughs> ben, and- ben Affleck is like the white man <laughs> Rosetta Stone. You're just like. Yes. <laughs> Great. I'm in. Even you would have to be under living under a rock not to notice there's been a lot of benefit chatter going on lately. Mean. <laughs> confirmed yes i know that there's a lot of benefer chatter going on i i remember benefer 1.0 and i am aware of benefer 2.0 2.0 being the 2021 reunion which vox called the greatest gossip story we've had in years and a shining bright spot in the world okay i mean i kind of agree with that but you're not going to get me to be like a curmudgeon about these two olds finding love <laughs> Well, good, because that would be rude and uncalled for. Both. And just put a damper on my day, frankly. So we're talking about this story not because we're necessarily a celebrity gossip show, but we, yes, we, <laughs> we tell the stories behind the music. Yes. So so I, I guess I, I might need to ask a question. Are we going to be focusing on the music or on their love story? Or are they intertwined? Can you really have one without the other? I don't... That that was literally my question. (laughs) The answer is no. So, in November 2002, 
J-Lo released an album, which I said, her third studio album, called This Is Me Then, not something about the sixth sex. It's called On the Six. It's the name of the train she used to take from the Bronx. Oh my gosh, more Bronx stuff. Okay, we'll get there. She loves the Bronx. Does she? People in the Bronx aren't so sure. She's still Jenny from the Bronx. This is a story for a later time in the show. That's what the song is called, right? (laughs) That's what the song alleges. Just call Jenny Jenny from from the the Block. Jenny from the Bronx. No, I'm still, no Bronx. I'm still, no, it's Jenny from the Block. No, no, I'm sorry, you got that incorrect. It's Jenny from the Bronx. Don't be fooled by the rocks that I gonks. My gonks, my gronks. Uh, don't be fooled by the rocks that my gronks. Gave me. I'm still Jenny from the Bronx. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, this is me. Then is an autobiographical record about her relationship with you guessed it, Ben Affleck. Benjamin Affleck. Can I ask you a question about what we're going to discuss on today's episode? You may. Are we going to discuss the butt? Oh, of course. Okay. (laughs) Are we going to discuss Ben Affleck as a film actor and film director? Not as much, but a little. Okay. I don't want to just... Because remember, I have a tendency to say things and you're just like, stop spoiling it. Right. So, like, he has veneers. We know this. We've discussed he this on the show. He had teeth. He doesn't anymore. You can go back and listen to Armageddon if you want to know more about that. He's fluent in Spanish. <laughs> November 2002, J-Lo releases her Ode to Ben Affleck 1.0. And sometime this year, 2023, potentially in September, she's set to release her ninth studio album, coincidentally her first one in nine years, do you want to guess what it's called? What's the first album called? This Is Me Then. This Is Me in the Future. <laughs> we'll give it to him. It's This Is Me Now. Look at me now, Dad. <laughs> this Is Me Then. This Is Me Now. All right, I have many thoughts about this. Please. One of the, like, quiet, saying the quiet parts out loud is like, look at how good Jennifer Lopez looks. She looks just like she did 20 years ago. Yeah. And the other thing is, low-rise pants are back, baby. Ugh. When I was watching Geely, which, again, that's for later, her fucking pants were around her vagina. Her pants and that thing are around her (laughs) vagina. (laughs) It's just disrespectful to To people who like high-rise People who have one percentage or more body fat. Well, that's not Jennifer Lopez. I'll tell you that much. (laughs) Clearly. Um, All right. So her statement for This Is Me Now said, quote, heralding a new era of music for Jennifer Lopez, This Is Me Now chronicles the emotional, spiritual, and psychological journey that she has taken over the past two decades. An emotionally raw and honest project, unlike any she has produced before, she writes and sings about her life and experiences that will resonate with us all. In addition, these autobiographical stories informed by the album will result in another very personal project that will be released next year. More on that to come. Do you say more on that to come or did they say more on that to come? Uh, That was them. 
I think it's like it must be a documentary, right, about their love. Probably. Like a like a Madonna, Blind Ambition. What was her documentary called? This is, by the way, listeners, I, I realized that I was the one that researched that episode last week and like talked about that documentary. This is what happens as soon as the episode's over. I forget literally everything we talked about. I usually do, too. Yeah. There's just so many things our brains can take. I know. So, yep, who knows? It's a mystery. Um, but in a recent interview with Vogue, J-Lo said she wanted to set the record straight about her love life with this album. So she's using this album to set the record straight about her love life. Quote J-Lo. People think they know things about what happened to me along the way, the men I was with, but they really have no idea. And a lot of times they get it so wrong. There's part of me that was hiding a side of myself from everyone. And I feel like I'm at a place in my life, finally, where I have something to say about it. Uh, if I were Mark Anthony, I would be quaking in my boots. <laughs> okay, so this is me then was released on November 26, 2002 by Epic Records. The album peaked at number two on the Billboard 200 chart, selling 314,000 copies in its first week, and it, it stayed in the top 20 for 12 weeks, and it charted for 37. That's pretty good. Pretty good. In the U.S., the album sold more than 2.5 million copies. That's a, lot of, that's a lot of platinums. And more than 6 million copies worldwide were sold. It's a lot of platinums. So, songs from that album included Jenny from the Block, All My Love, featuring LL Cool J, also known as Lindsay Lohan Cool J. Lindsay Lohan Cool J. For, for known on the show. So, for <laughs> OG fans of Lyrics for Lunch. You know that song. And I'm bouncing, and I'm out, son. I gotta leave you alone, cause I'm good. Holding down my spot, and I'm good. Fucking the girls on the block, and I'm good. Nope. I got this game unlocked. Nothing. This is very, definitely from 2002. Don't go. Oh, I hate this already. song that's this is me then this is me then uh -huh. and that's actually one of the songs that like wasn't written by j-lo i mean she's has a writing credit but there's like 20 other people who wrote it and the producers want her to put it on the album at the last minute and i only say that because i feel that it's relevant because most of the other songs are love songs to ben affleck oh sure and this one <laughs> does not on its surface seem like a love song to ben affleck correct Sure. Um, also on this album is Dear Ben with lyrics like, 
I love you. You're perfect. A manifestation of my dream. I think God made you for me. A mix of passion and fidelity. Baby, you're so complete. I write this song to let you know that you will always be to me, my love, my man, my child, my friend, and my king. Wow. (laughs) Ben, the two of us need look no more. Um, and all the girls dream that they'd be Ben's partner. Is this why you decided to do the Ben Aff- uh, Ben Affleck episode? I started this episode like four weeks ago. It's just taking a long time to come to fruition. This is a, this is a big Ben season for us. <laughs> this season of Ben. Let's just hear a little J-Lo. A little J-Lo. 20 years ago, I fell in love with the love of my life. And I was working on an album. And it was called This Is Me Then. And it was all about capturing that moment in time. I said, now the most amazing, incredible, unbelievable thing has happened. And the reason we're here is because I want to capture this moment in time. Because it is even better than the first time. It's all right there on the record. And I didn't even realize what was happening and what I was doing. You just got out of the way. You know, it was just every day going from the set, to the recording studio, yeah. doing the thing, being in love, you know, him coming into the studio, you know, Corey writing this, rec- you know, I'm glad and going, ah, this reminds me of, you know what I mean? And, we, as, you know, yeah. me tweaking the lyrics with him, like every single song that we wrote there, me writing Dear Ben. And yeah. it, it was such a special moment in time to have captured. And it's funny because I was going to call the record Jenny from the Block. Mm. You know, because that song is on there. And it made sense because you were coming off the back of self-titled. Right. right. You know, J-Lo. Exactly. You know, it was just like, but I'm still Jenny. And I'm J-Lo now, but no, I'm still Jenny from the block. Exactly. But it didn't feel right. I remember having this conversation with Ben and we were doing Jersey Girl, mm. a movie that we did a long time ago in Philadelphia. And, uh, and I said, I remember the apartment. I remember the conversation. And he was, I was like. I just don't know what to name this album. I just can't, like, nail it. Like, the songs are not the thing. There's no title track. It's like, and he was like, well, this is you right now. Like, everything that you're writing on this record that I've been seeing is, this is like, this is you in this record, like, this moment. He was like, when you look back on the record, yeah, it'll be like, that was me then. <laughs> Dang. And I was like, it would be Almost then, script this is me yeah. then. Right. This is me at that moment. Yeah. So I decided to call it, oh, okay, this is me then. This moment in time was captured of finding your kind of soulmate in that time. And, and, it, and it's all there. And when I it's listen to the lyrics now, I didn't even realize I was writing some of our story that would happen. Yeah. Which was sick, yeah. like still. Yeah. And some of the records on there, which were more obvious about Ben, but even records that you were like, well, that's kind of a breakup record. And like, I didn't even realize that it was kind of prophetic in a weird way. It is. This is Apple Music reporter Zane Lowe. He is an interesting guy. Not everyone was here for the love, though, when the record came out. Sure. Our favorite music critic, Rolling Stone, gave the album, I guess you would call it a mixed review. Sure. Bad mixed with worse. (laughs) Yes. Quote, most of the songs are pitched too high for her register. The production sounds cheap. 
and love has dulled whatever street edge she might have had. First of all, <laughs> brutal. Second of all, a little true. <laughs> the production does sound a little cheap. And I'm bouncing. And I'm That's bouncing. why I was like, oh, the it feels like it sounds like 2002, right? Like it's like very kind of early digital stuff. Sure. So the village voice echoed that sentiment a bit. They said Jennifer Lopez makes albums for the same reasons you and I give holiday gifts to people we don't exactly like. Vanity and obligation. Whoa. <laughs> I mean, first of all, whoa. <laughs> whoa. Whoa. That's it. That's all I got is whoa. That, that was mean. You don't need to be mean. You don't got to be mean. I feel like maybe adding to the overall romantic gaudiness of the thing is that J-Lo dedicated the album to Ben in the disc jacket. I mean, she did name one of the songs Dear Ben. I mean, who hasn't written Dear Somebody? I absolutely have I've never written a deer. So, well, that's not actually true. I absolutely have done that. All right. There you go. Yeah. Um, but I was 17. <laughs> anyway, here's what she wrote in the jacket. You are my life, my sole inspiration for every lyric, every emotion, every bit of feeling on this record. It's all for you, Damien. Okay. So this was the first and last time she would dedicate an album to a lover. Question mark? Like, not really clear what's going to happen with the new one. Well, she keeps saying that he's the love of her life. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about J-Lo and Ben Affleck 1.0. Sure. This was very much a relationship of the early 2000s. And as we've noted here on this show plenty of times, that era was particularly toxic to young women, celebrities, Britney Spears, Harris Hill, and Monica Lewinsky, Janet Jackson. Yes. I, I'm assuming J-Lo is no exception. Definitely not. In its most basic breakdown, misogyny and powerful patriarchal systems force these women into highly sexualized boxes and then slut shame them about it. I definitely remember J-Lo being sexualized for like having a big ass, right? Like that was the thing. It was like, oh my God, an ass like Jennifer Lopez. They like put a monetary value on it, which I think I have somewhere down in my notes. That said, I think that she... Other than the ass thing, which is not insignificant, avoided the the Paris Hilton, Britney Spears kind of treatment. She definitely, I I know what you're saying. It wasn't, the tabloids weren't as worse to her. And also perhaps she was a little older than them. She, yeah, she was a little older than them. She already had like a little bit of a career before she became a pop star. So I think that was also like significant she was selena yes she was selena and for whatever reason the systems that were created to oppress her cheapen her didn't never seem to affect her self-worth or self-image at yeah, least she kept publicly her head high. yeah we have no idea what she struggled with privately but publicly yes yeah so just quick aside, you mentioned Paris Hilton. Anyone who wants to hear more about that can listen to our Stars Are Blind episode. Oof, doozy. <laughs> if you're interested in 
the fucking bullshit patriarchy and the way that it affected women in the early 90s, 2000s, even now. You can check out Vox's series called The Purity Column, and that looks at sexual and gendered mores of that time period, late 90s, early 2000s, one pop culture phenomenon at a time. Sounds interesting, but also that I would want to do murders. Well, speaking of pop culture phenomenon, phenomenon. Oh, good segue. <laughs> you really gave yourself a layup there. <laughs> I give you Benefer, which actually Kevin Smith claims he gave us Benefer. Yes. Yes. The term Benefer. Yes. Yes. Kevin I believe that. Kevin Smith wrote in his book Secret Stash that he coined it and he called it a dubious honor. Yes. So are we talking about Jersey Girl now? You can talk about Jersey Girl. Okay, so toward the end of their relationship 1.0, Jen and Ben co-starred in the Kevin Smith movie Jersey Girl. This is after Kevin Smith, who's famous for like slacker comedies like Clerks and Mallrats, was trying to like grow up a little bit. And so this was his like one of his first like I'm not going to be like like a movie with like a heart about fatherhood. And um, the story goes, at least as I know it that Ben and Jen broke up as they were filming Jersey Girl and refused to be in the same room together or it was like just very public and so Smith could no longer release a movie that's like a love story about these two very famous people who have clearly broken up in the in real life and so he like reworked the movie to have Jennifer die in the first 15 minutes and then, like, most of the rest of the movie is Ben's relationship with Liv Tyler and, like, p- picking up the pieces after your wife passes away in childbirth, I think. Uh, and this movie's a mess because of it. And uh, it's like, you know, it's George Carlin's last film, so, like, there is some good stuff in it. But, uh, yeah, not uh, not his strongest work and real life influencing the decisions he made as a writer and director. And there were graham cracker crumbs everywhere. Just from, uh, not graham cracker crumbs. um, Animal cracker crumbs. Animal cracker crumbs. (laughs) So that's towards the end of their relationship. But I'm still bringing us, we're still in the beginning here. Between August of 2002 and March 2004, Us Weekly devoted 12 covers to the phenomenon of Benavar. So we've already chatted a bit about like your remembrance of Benavar 1.0. Anything Mm -hmm. else you want to add? Um, I remember the music video where, is this for Jenny from the Block, where they're like on a yacht? I was just going to ask you if you remember that. Don't be fooled by the yachts that I got. <laughs> I'm still Jenny from the Bronx. Basically. Yeah, and he's like grabbing her ass, and the, mm-hmm. and there's like a paparazzi POV in the video, right? Is like them like snapping their picture. Mm-hmm. And we're going to watch it. So Great. You'll have plenty of time to wax poetic on that turd. Um, (laughs) The video's bad. I don't know. I haven't seen it in 20 years. Uh, But Jenny from the Block, the song, was released in September 2002. This was the lead single from This Is Me Then. It featured rappers Jada Kiss and Styles P from hip-hop group The Locks. So the album was set to be released in November, but Jenny from the Block got leaked by a pop station in Connecticut. What? Yeah. And then it was distributed to other stations. So in response, J-Lo and Epic Records pushed forward the release to September 26th. Wow. Wow. 
Jenny from the Block was an instant hit. It charted for 20 weeks and eventually peaked at number three. The video, co-starring Ben, premiered on November 5th on MTV's TRL. Hell yeah. And yes, this is where we get the butt kissing while they sun on the yacht. Indeed. The ass smooch heard around the world. Oh, it's like hidden camera crotch shot? What the hell is going on? I don't know if I've ever seen this. This, this part? part of it, yeah. They gave him Friday off. They were like, "You better be back here at seven thirty on Friday." Children. Oh, she's topless. Jesus. There's a lot of nudity in this video. See, on, on the, the six. six. He's very handsome. Oh, Ben? Yeah. Like, you forget how, how leading man good-looking he is in this era. No, you don't think so? I feel like he's very, like, spray tan Guido in this era. Well, maybe. <laughs> Why are you first? Can't forget to stay real. It's like breathing. I mean, this like this is like a mis. This whole thing is a little misguided. Because she's talking about how down to earth she still is while like doing all of this yacht shit. Like shopping at Tiffany's, wearing a fur coat with nothing underneath. <laughs> like yeah. the fuck. But don't be fooled. Do not be fooled. Breakdown was in the radio edit. I don't think so. the Bronx.
more more news. Good, good for you, Jennifer. Maybe, maybe she's hungry and she's not good for her. The song was noted by critics for using a large amount of musical samples from songs like 20th Century Steel Band song Heaven and Hell is on Earth and Boogie Down Productions South Bronx and Hijack by Enoch Light. Okay. So let's quick hear those. Children growing, women producing, men go work and okay. Sure. Okay. That's just this. Mm-hmm. Yo, what's up, Blastmaster KRS1? Oh, yeah, yeah. sure. <laughs> Word. Yo, what up, D-Nice? D-Nice. Yo, what's up, Scott LaRock? Yo, man, we chillin' this funky fresh jam. I want to tell you a little something about us. We're the Boogie Down Production Crew. And due to the fact that no one outside there knew what time it was, we have to tell you a little story about where we come from. South Bronx. The South, South Bronx. Man, hip-hop in the 80s was <laughs> complex. So, so like, someone noted that the song had a bunch of samples in it? Yeah. And I like, feel like... I think it's because she's a woman that they're like, too many samples because... Because. But, I mean, what they're describing is just, like, modern hip-hop. Right. Whether that but was a novel... when a woman does it, it's not cool. I guess so. I mean, Beyonce and Taylor Swift have both been criticized about, like, how many writers they have on their songs, change a word, get a third, etc. So, like, I get it, and I think, you know, it's not even I think. There's there's no question that, that women are held to a different standard in music than men, which is shitty. But like my friend. No, yeah, not... Well, we're talking about music, though. Uh, but, like, what, like, it's so weird, like... This happens literally all the time. All right. Got it. So in- interestingly enough, I see I see on TikTok a lot like people talk about how Daft Punk is like these are these were these extreme geniuses for like finding these samples and chopping and screwing them in in a certain way but that's like just what happens here right this is the that this is the main riff of the song just kind of sped up a little mm-hmm. yeah i don't know so we start talking about the lyrics and how the song or the video is a bit contradictory um yes what is the song about you want to read the lyrics i would love to read the lyrics this came from that sample, children grow and women producing, men go working, some go stealing, everyone's got to make a living, and then this is J-Lo, BX, uh, Southside Bronx. <laughs> Don't be fooled by the rocks that I got, I'm still Jenny from the block, used to have a little, now I have a lot, no matter where I go, where I came from, no, no, no matter where I go, I know where I came from, parentheses. From the Bronx. <laughs> from in living color to movie scripts, to On the Six, to J-Lo, to I, this. I don't know why you've never heard of On the Six. It's in the lyrics of this song. Yeah, I know. Sometimes I just don't know what something is and I don't care to find out. It's just you doesn't, re- <laughs> doesn't write into your brain. Right. <laughs> Headline clips, I stay grounded as the amounts roll in. False. I'm real. I thought I told you. That's a direct reference to her song with Ja Rule. I'm real. Yeah. Yeah. I'm real. I thought I told you. I'm real even on Oprah. 
that's just me. Nothing phony. Don't hate on me. What you get is what you see. Oh, Southside Bronx. <laughs> Don't be fooled by the rocks that I got. I'm still, I'm still Jenny from the block. I'm down to earth like this, rocking this business. I've grown up so much. I'm in control and loving it. Rumors got me laughing, kid. I love my life and my public. Put God first and can't forget to stay real. Parentheses, real. <laughs> to me, it's like breathing. Yeah. Southside Bronx. Yikes. South Bronx. Oh, the South Bronx. F-f-f-flip it. Boricua. Now that's what happened. South Bronx. The Southside Bronx. Ah. F-f-f-flip it. Now that's what happened. <laughs> Southside Bronx. The Southside Bronx. Boric was in the house. F-f-flip it. Now that's what happened. Hey. South Bronx. The Southside Bronx. Everyone's got to make a living. All right. Now bring it back. That's it. That's this is just a chorus again. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, this is bad. This is bad. These lyrics are bad. All right. Anything you want to say about them? How do they make you feel? What do you think they're about? The Southside Bronx? I think they're about the Southside Bronx. I think that they're about not being fooled by the rocks that she has. Rocks, um, I don't know if Song Facts has this highlighted for you, means diamonds. <laughs> Jewels. Jewels. As Jewels. I showed you my fingers, which have no rocks. <laughs> Ju- fingernails. This is where they would go if they were there. Okay, people, rocks. This I don't know if this is trying to say anything, but like it's not saying anything, right? It's just saying like I'm so humble, I keep it real. I'm from I'm from the neighborhood still, when like clearly it's just an excuse for her to be like I know Oprah. <laughs> I'm really even on Oprah. Yeah, so I don't know. I mean, I think it's really misguided. I think there's like a a weird kind of echo of the '80s excess in music especially in the early 2000s and this is what we're seeing here it's like mm-hmm. humble brag humble brag the song yeah so j-lo is like i i'm a millionaire but she Still wants some kind of street cred i don't i don't get it i truly don't get like how she expects to receive the street cred by saying this so j-lo was born in the castle hill neighborhood of the bronx South Bronx. (laughs) To Puerto Rican parents. She and her two sisters spent their early childhood in an apartment before their family saved enough for a two-story house. Like, again. What a a world to be living in. Seriously. Like, that sounds pretty fucking good to me. I grew up in a one-bedroom apartment in my dad's house and slept on the fucking couch. And I think I'm pretty privileged. So, you know. So that happened. Her dad was working nights at an insurance company and her mom was selling Tupperware. Who hasn't had a Tupperware party at their house when they were a kid? Uh, my parents tried to sell Amway. What is Amway? Amway was one of like the f- first big multi-level marketing pyramid schemes where you would buy a... Bu- I think it was like, like... Tupperware. Like Tupperware. That's why, that's why I brought it up. But, but what, Amway was but like... like n- what was it? Oh, I think it was like knives, like kitchen utensils. I can't remember. Cutco was also around this time. In the 2015 TNT special Neighborhood Sessions with Jennifer Lopez, J-Lo said, quote, 
To this day, my taste, my preferences, my outlook, my attitude, everything about me is so influenced by the fact that I grew up in the Bronx. Okay. Fun fact, in the course of three minutes, in Jenny from the Block, she name drops the Bronx 28 times. Woo! It's <laughs> a lot of times. And not everyone was too happy about this, Aviv. Why not? It's once every nine seconds. Shortly after the song was released, Fox News did a story about the tensions between Lopez and her old neighborhood. Oh, good. Here's former Fox anchor Shepard Smith with the story. J-Lo's new song, Jenny from the Block, all about Lopez roots, about how she's still a neighborhood gal at heart. But folks from that street in New York, the Bronx section, sound more likely to give her a curb job than a blow job or blo okay. block party. What? Wait, what? The New Wait, York what? Post. Which, sorry about that slip up there. I have no idea how that happened, but it won't happen again. And that's your news. And the G Block. What the fuck Fox is that? That's the news. Wait, what's going on? No, no. No, Lindsay. No, what's yes. happening? We gotta start. We gotta do. We you gotta watch, watch it again. We gotta watch it again. Right. I'm, I feel like I just got hit by a truck. <laughs> all right, ready. J Lo's new song, Jenny from the Block, all about Lopez roots, about how she's still a neighborhood gal at heart. But folks from that street in New York, the Bronx section, sound more likely to give her a curb job than a blow job or blo block party. The New York Post, which, sorry about that slip up there. I have no idea how that happened, but it won't happen again. No idea. But, and that's but your it won't news. happen again. And the G Block, as Fox reports <laughs> um, this Monday, okay. November so, 4th, 2000. Couple things. There is a cut in this, right? They just the like end the segment because news. I guess there was no other blooper. Yes. But, okay. Folks in her neighborhood would rather give her a curb job than a block party, was the copy, right? <laughs> that was the copy. But, like, what is a curb job? I was like, is it when you smash someone's head on the curb? It sounds really scary. <laughs> so, from Urban Dictionary, curb job means to force someone to lie down, open their mouth, and bite down on the edge of the curb, and then you stomp the back of the person's head with as much force as possible. See? This is Fox News. <laughs> but, like, okay. And then... So I Google, I just Googled curb job, right? Sure. And it's like Urban Dictionary, curb job. Urban Dictionary, Russian curb job. Slang definition, curb job. And then a bunch of songs called curb job by an artist called The Dickies, which is like a, a punk band. And then the top 10 newscaster bloopers of all time. <laughs> and, it's, and it's Shepard Smith. So like, yes. what in the fuck is going on? Just, just a bad day for the teleprompter. I'm Ron Burgundy. <laughs> so on a more serious note, in November 2002, the New York Post, not a very serious publication, let's be honest, ran a, t a piece titled, Jenny Who? Locals say J-Lo's more blockhead than from the block. Like, right. can we Rel just stop, stop it with it. these horrible... Stop it. 9-11 just happened. I need you all to calm down. Everyone fucking chill. Um, so this is, I'm going to read from this story now. Okay. I'm afraid. <laughs> Jennifer Lopez may call herself Jenny from the block in her hit song, 
but those who live in her former Bronx neighborhood paid another Would rather picture. give her a blowjob. I mean, literally maul her head and face into concrete. That won't happen again. <laughs> or will it? All right, so, yeah, so people who live in her former Bronx, neighbor, Bronx neighborhood are painting another picture entirely. Some members of the tight-knit community at the corner of Castle Hill and Black Rock Avenue say the 32-year-old diva exploits her roots to enhance her street image, but doesn't give anything back, not even autographs. Quote, she's a phony, a fake. She doesn't do anything for the block. Says Michael O'Neill, a 23-year-old healthcare worker. Michael she only O'Neil. comes here for the image. Okay. Last Monday, J-Lo turned up in a chauffeured black Lincoln Navigator for an interview with Diane Sawyer, but didn't have a moment for her so-called pals. For the camera, she Did she vis- call them pals? <laughs> I have no fucking idea. It's not in quotes. For the camera, she visited the Holy Family Catholic school she attended as a child, stopped across the street at the Yellow House where she used to dance for her parents in the living room, and stopped at the Cross Bronx pizza shop on the corner. Bodyguards shoved excited kids out of her way, residents said, leaving one tiny fan in tears. The kids were cursing at J-Lo because she wouldn't acknowledge them, says Emily Estevez, a 26-year-old mortgage broker who attended the same high school as Lopez. These are the kids that beg their parents to go see her movies, buy her CDs, her perfume, her clothes. These are the ones that put her where she is today. In her new song, Lopez sings, Don't be fooled by the rocks that I got. I'm still, I'm still Jenny from the block. Used to have a little, now I have a lot. No matter where I go, I know where I came from. But locals say she ought to put her money where her mouth is. Masiel Pages, 13, doesn't think J-Lo is a good role model for women from the Bronx. She should be called J-Ho, says Pages. Excellent work. No notes. I don't appreciate people getting married and divorced over and over again. At this comment, a pack it's of... Not even, it's not even about the neighborhood anymore. It's just like, you're a whore. <laughs> Your name should be Jennifer Whore. <laughs> At this comment, a pack of boisterous kids start chanting, J-Ho, J-Ho, directly across from the house where really the stuff. diva, I'm doing mm. air quotes, they're dead serious, grew up. Okay, so there's a lot to unpack here. <laughs> Oh, yep. One being the, the complete unseriousness of the New York Post. Like, what the fuck <laughs> is this article? <laughs> I know. They seem to be they seem to be going out looking for a fight, right? For reasons being like a woman of color is rich and we hate that. And like they find amazing quotes. <laughs> J Ho is unbeatable. <laughs> However, it does it also doesn't seem like Lopez is doing herself any favors. By like not like she should give back to the community. She's very rich. If she's if she's capitalizing on being from the block, like it's amazing PR to be like, and I opened a youth center. Like mm-hmm. it's no it's a no brainer. Maybe this is like twenty years later kind of media brain talking, but like what PR person isn't saying like Jennifer, take a million dollars, open up a community center, and then like you'll be the hero of the neighborhood. 
Correct. So other quotes from this article that did not make it into my notes were <laughs> kids complaining that they wanted a basketball court sure. and she never comes to our dance recitals. Um, Why would she come to your dance recitals? If she's not your stepmom, like what is <laughs> what are you doing? Uh, Angelina Williams, 13, said that the prices of J-Lo's clothing line, which are jogging suits that were about $120, I guess, at the time, Mm -hmm. are too much for her fans. Quote, she didn't come from a wealthy family and her clothes are so overpriced. How can she say she's from the block? She's selling clothes to kids in the ghetto. You know, I kind of agree with that. But also, like, she's not the one that sets those prices. Like, she can't if she really wanted to. Yeah, if she really wanted to, she could say, like, this line is $8. But... You know, this is the 80s echo. We, we've got a ton of excess. We're we're building wealth like crazy. And there is, a, there is a little bit of a sense of like, I've gotten out of the quote unquote ghetto. So I'm going to pull the ladder up. Yeah, I don't think that she's like entirely to blame for that. But she's not doing herself any favors. JLo does in fact donate millions to countless charities. Charities that she gives back to are like American Foundation for AIDS Research, Amnesty International, Boys and Girls right. Clubs of Big America. Ones. Big not like national, national ones. Like yeah. you said, here's a youth center in the Bronx. Right. So after JLo was featured in a July 2013 W spread, Ed Garcia Conde wrote on welcometothebronx.com. Yes, JLo donates millions to charities, particularly dealing with women and children's issues. But what about the Bronx? But what about the Bronx? Sure, it's her money, and yes, she can decide what to do with it, but at some point, isn't it almost a responsibility to give something back to the community whose name you invoke all the time? I don't know if it's a responsibility, but it's good PR. Good PR. Well, J-Lo also pissed off New York hip-hop duo The Beat Nuts when she released Jenny from the block. Oh, The Beat Nuts are mad. (laughs) The Beat Nuts are pissed. Uh, before Lopez used the sample, the, the flute sample from Hijack... The Beat Nuts had used it in their 1999 track, Watch Out Now. You, so you sampled the sample that we sampled, and now we're mad. We are the Beat Nuts. We are the Beat Nuts, the lonely Beat Nuts. Okay. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> you can listen to our You Are My Sunshine episode. <laughs> Watch Out Now. You know, I know Jenny from the Block. I know the sample, obviously. And I also know this song, and it never occurred to me that it was the same sample. So the Beat Nuts used this opportunity to take a shot at J-Lo and her producers on a diss track called Confused Rappers. (laughs) Great. With these lyrics, girl, you know you haven't been to the block for a minute. Getting all the little Latin girls to bite when you really can't sing. And you're no Selma Hayek. And you're no Selma Hayek. I'll just let you hear it. Don't get it. All right, listen. What would possess you to use my records? Like if I'm here for you to abuse, made a bad decision. Your heart wasn't in it, girl. You know you haven't been to the block for a minute. Getting all the little Latin girls to buy it. When you really can't sing and you no Selma Hayek. I don't hate you. I just want you to know that your producer bit the whole idea off my show deck. 
sweet cheeks. Watch out now. Sweet cheeks. Plus I'm feeling like a hot shot now. We're going to circle back to Benifer and those sweet cheeks right now. Honestly, this song, even though it's like quite rude, it's a good flow. Like this is a, this is a good beat. It's a good rap. It's, does it slap? It does slap. So we've already basically kind of talked about the core of what's wrong with this video. Of of what's wrong with Jenny from the Block. What's wrong with Jenny from the Block. Yeah, I was. I thought you meant of the Beat Nuts Milk Me video, which is no. nothing. No, no, no. It's perfect. <laughs> the video was completely eviscerated by the public. Just for being tone deaf. Yeah. Justine Ashley Costanza in the International Business Times writes, Poor J-Lo couldn't lounge on her yacht, be adored in a hot tub, or wear her $1 million engagement ring without someone taking her picture. It's not easy being overly wealthy superstars. The video's premise shows Lopez dealing with the perils of fame the only way she knows how, by taking off most of what she's wearing. Do you, you know what this just reminded me of? Remember, like, in, early, in the early pandemic, and, like, all those celebrities sang Imagine together? Yeah. That's what this video is, right? Is like, I'm, I'm like one of you from yeah. my yacht. <laughs> right. You're like. Okay. Yikes. It's a little cringy. Um, okay, Employ so- a poor, a poor person to tell you whether this is a good idea. <laughs> from Vulture. See, the song is a mega bop asserting JLo's street cred, but the video itself is about the public's obsession with the couple told through the literal lens of paparazzi following them from lunch to the yacht to the gas station and home, hoping to catch intimate moments between Jenny from the block and Boston's hometown hero. But worshiping JLo's backside was a performance choice, all of Ben's own. The video went early 2000s viral, so ultimately exposing themselves to comment on their overexposure backfired. And we're left with a grim prediction of their hyper-public downfall that even J-Lo tried to get removed from MTV and VH1 in 2004, a year after their engagement fell apart. So she got tried to get her own video removed? Yes. Because, because she just like realized how, how, what a bad idea it was. And I think because it was like a grotesque public display of her love affair with her ex-fiance. Jennifer, get a, get a better publicist so i'm wrapping up the butt talk for now but with with please don't (laughs) while kissing a booty long rumored to be worthy of a 27 million insurance policy insurance i remember the insurance is on many of our bucket lists in 2008 affleck said the music video was his big regret of the relationship interesting so in 2008, he told Entertainment Wise, quote, if I have a big regret, it was doing the music video, but that happened years ago. I've moved on. And then I guess they were like, do you blame her? Do you blame is Lopez? The, is it her? Was it her fucking idea? I don't. No way. I, I doubt it. Right. Like, like how, when have you heard of an artist being like, I have this great idea for my own music video, unless it's Taylor Swift. Like usually the label comes in and pitches. Right. And once again, the buck stops with Jennifer and she's got to say, no, this is a bad idea. But I don't think that she's like, okay, I've got this awesome idea. I want to sing about how poor I used to be while on my yacht. Right. And someone literally with kissing my, my ass. rich boyfriend. Yeah. And just the fact, I think that whoever this fucking interviewer was, was like, so do you blame Jen for your bad Why? fucking decision? Why would you? So Ben said, no. It not only makes me look like a petulant fool to blame her, but it surely qualifies as ungentlemanly. For the record, did she hurt my career? No. Good for you, Ben. 
I think you did like 90% of what you should have done, which is also say like, it wasn't her fault. But even asking the question, like, did she hurt my career? Like, what? How did she hurt my career? She no. Hurt your career, though. It's your uh, career. He was Mr. Jennifer Lopez for a while, and I and I don't That's think that that's still it, his decision. I did agree. Did the relationship I agree. hurt his career? Maybe, but not right. she. This is this is what I'm saying though. Is like I th- I think he's referring to the relationship or being in the video, and the no is the important part, which is just like, why would I have misgivings about this like personal relationship I was in? And, like, is the question, like, am I less of a star now because I was with Jennifer Lopez? No. No. Clearly not. Okay. You ready for the timeline? Yes. Desperately. It's going to get fun. I mean, it's Gross. been pretty fun. We already had, like... I, we, lo- we love to have fun here. <laughs> J-Lo and Ben Affleck met in 2002 as co-stars on the infamous flop Geely. It's- uh, okay. Geely. Geely. Rhymes with really. Geely. Yiggly. <laughs> so, Lindsay, you watched Geely for the first time for the for this episode. Would yes. you care to give us a quick rundown of the premise of Geely? Sure. I was going to ask you to do it, but I think we can both give our own. <laughs> I, I preempted you. I knew that you were going to do that. And so I was like, please don't make me do this. I also want for the record that... Before I watch Geely, I'm like, oh, what is Geely about? And, and I just wrote back gobble gobble. No, not to you. Oh. <laughs> to the internet, right? Oh, yeah, sure. Because I want to categorize something, right? So it's I write Geely, an action comedy about a kidnapping plot gone awry. Not Full stop. Mm, that is not, not the right. fucking movie. No. Uh-uh. <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, like, that's like one of those describe the plot of a movie badly where it's like, <laughs> Son really doesn't want to go into the family business, and they're talking about Star Wars. Right. Right. Um, okay, so the plot of Geely, in a nutshell. Geely. Ben Affleck is some kind of mob. I do jobs for people. Guido, leg breaker. He paints houses. Yeah, he wears way too long leather jackets with collars, like not a cool leather jacket, like a blazer. He, there's this guy named Lou bossing him around and he's like, yo, (laughs) now that you've put this other guy in the dryer dryer. at the laundromat, (laughs) I got another job for you. Uh huh. There's this guy. He's in my orbit, but he's outside of my sphere of influence. So we need to fuck with this guy. So he got a relative who's not psychologically there. Mm-hmm. So you need to go kidnap him and mm-hmm. hold on to him for a while. Played by <laughs> the hangover's Justin Bartha. Oh, yeah. So he kidnaps this mentally developmentally delayed guy played by a non-development developmentally delayed person they like develop a friendship it's like a mobster after Rain he Man? screams the r word at him a lot of oh times. yeah oh yeah very many as as robert downey jr says in tropic thunder you never go full r word and <laughs> anyway. boy did justin bartha not take that advice did not uh so meanwhile amidst all of the screaming j-lo comes over and she's like hey do you got any sh- phones i need to call someone phones she asked for a phone 
he literally has a cell phone in his pocket and she's like, I need to come in and use your phone. And he could have been like, yeah, here's my cell, please. Because he's like, I don't want you to come in. And she's like, I really need to make a call. I really need to make a call. So she comes in and she's literally like rubbing her legs on the couch like, "Mm." Okay. Okay. <laughs> no, well, I hate that we have a video <laughs> podcast now for this very reason. Why am I making you uncomfortable? Because you're just like Jessica rabbiting on your fucking standing desk. Well, if I wasn't wearing wool sweatpants, it would have been a lot worse. So be thankful. I am thankful every day uh, of my life <laughs> for your wool sweatpants. Um. Okay. So she's just and she's a lesbian, right? So it comes out that she's a lesbian after he's like, you know, professionally, we could sleep in the same bed. And then he's like, mm-hmm. and then she's like, you're not really my type. And he's like, what type would that be? And she's like, you have a penis. And then he's like, all mad. Um, And he gets pissed at her for not for wanting to gay, have sex right. with him. Yeah. Well, don't worry, because it is one of two movies where Ben Affleck turns a gay girl straight. I was going to say, like, we already had Chasing Amy, but we just weren't done with that plot line. Nope. Ben Affleck really had to fucking try and convert some more lesbians. And then <laughs> I remember specifically that there's like a very erotic scene where Jennifer Lopez is like explaining to Ben Affleck how he should go down on a woman. Mm-hmm. Like Thanksgiving, gobble gobble. Yep. Yep. It, it is. The, all of that. But Geely was one of the most famous movie flops ever. Critics called it awful, hopeless, terrible. Benefer's Gate. Benefer's Gate. <laughs> so, okay. So do you understand that reference? I know. Okay. So this is like a really fun, weird thing. So I thought it was like Watergate. No, no, no. It's, <laughs> it's, a, it's in a reference to a movie called Heaven's Gate. So, Heaven's Gate was a 1980 film directed by Michael Cimino, and Michael Cimino had pre- previously done The Deer Hunter and won, like, a, a assload of, of Oscars. And so, United Artists, the studio, gave him basically a blank check to make whatever movie he wanted, and he wanted to make a movie about called Heaven's Gate, which is about, like, a, like a it's like a Western. And it was such a massive disaster that it bankrupted the studio. Wow. It cost $44 million in 1980, and which is like, you know, $200 million today. And it its box office was $3.5 million. Julie is not far behind that. Yeah, but the, the, the best... Oh, and it's three hours and 36 minutes long. Oh, excellent, excellent. But my favorite fun fact is my friend's father was in Heaven's Gate was in the movie and was like riding a carriage because it's like a Western. It's in the 1890s and the carriage flipped and he had to be taken away from the set in an ambulance. And to this day, he walks with a limp. What the? And so I was, I was having Passover at their house and I was like, and Valdemar was like walking around and his, his wife was just like, oh, blah, blah, blah. He is, he's limping like that because he was in Heaven's Gate. And I was like, fucking what? Some things you just can't come back from. Some things you just can't come back from. <laughs> so yeah, uh, Benefer's Gate or whatever they called it is a reference yeah. to Heaven's Gate, which is like the f- most famous movie flop in history. So it opens in 2,215 theaters the first Friday in August, but it's dropped by 
a record setting 81.9% the second weekend and 97% by the third. By its third weekend, it was playing in 73 theaters total. Oof. (laughs) And let's not forget, it's not just Benefer. We also had Christopher Walken and Al Pacino in this thing. I knew Al Pacino. I for, I was like, I thought that I was confusing that with like Jack and Jill or something, which Al Pacino is also in. But yes, Al Pacino, Christopher Walken, Affleck, so many Oscar winners. And wasn't the same director of Scent of a Woman? Uh, Scent of a Woman is not a good movie. I'm not saying it. I'm saying the Al Pacino thing. Right. I'm, yeah. <laughs> but, I, but I'm not saying like... Oh, wow. He did so well with Scent of a Woman and so poorly with... No, no, um, no. I'm just making the connection. So, yeah. Gili was directed by Martin Brest, who you might remember from Scent of a Woman. Midnight Run, which is like an especially good movie. Beverly Hills Cop. And a movie I really like called Josh and Sam. Never saw it. Where like a little boy convinces his younger brother that he's a robot and they like go on an adventure together. Aviv loves robot movies. I do love robot movies. And Meet Joe Black. Okay. Which is another very famous flop. really liked Meet Joe Black. Oh, come on. When I was in eighth grade. There you go. Brad Pitt eating peanut butter for the first time. Sure. (laughs) And him getting like clobbered by a car. Spoilers. I think it was a bus. I think you're right. (laughs) Well, it's like a bunch, right? He like flips in the air and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does. Tune into our new podcast, the Meet Joe Black cast, where we just do one minute of Meet Joe Black every week. Don't forget Anthony Hopkins. He's on next week. Schmanthony Schmopkins. <laughs> okay. So last year, Affleck reflects on GLE. And he right. says, there was wonderful stuff in there. Come on, buddy. There are things where my daughter will be like, this is ableist and disgusting. And okay, yep. the way we see stuff has changed a little bit. Or a lot in some cases. And there are things that seem they could work at the time and don't in retrospect. But really, the truth about that movie and what it taught me was how much everything around a movie sort of dictates the way people see it. But for being a movie that's such a famous bomb and a disaster, very few people actually saw the movie. Well, that's why it bombed, Ben. Because <laughs> no one saw it. Then he says, it doesn't work, by the way. It's sort of a horse's head in a cow's body. I love him. <laughs> I fucking love this guy. And then he said, because he and Lopez had started dating during the making of the film, the studio latched onto the idea of creating a romantic comedy. But I must stress that they always said nothing happened during the filming because she was still married to Chris Judd. Okay, we got we to gotta take like seven steps back. <laughs> yeah, it turns out to be kind of a romantic comedy. Maybe nothing happened. They, cl- I mean, that might be like a legal thing for like a prenup that they have to say nothing happened <laughs> during the filming, right? Right. But I like, I like that he's like, so the, he's like the John Madden of explaining why movies don't work. He's like, so the reason that it didn't make any money is because no one saw it. Boom! Thanks, Ben. But I think he is a, a quite a competent filmmaker. I like many of the movies that he's directed. And, and his point is very well taken, which is like there are so many variables that go into making a movie. And if one of them is off, the entire movie can be like pulled into like a crazy direction. Yes. And their relationship was very publicly detested, unpopular. Really? 
Yeah. Like at the time, people didn't like Benefer. They thought it was tacky. Mm. They did not like it. Why? So, quote Ben. We're still talking. He's still talking about Geely here. Mm. I remember talking to director Marty Brest the Friday it came out, and I was like, "It's just spectacular. It's a tsunami. It couldn't be worse. This is as bad as it gets." So the film made a measly seven point two million back from its seventy five point six million dollar budget. Benefer was the clear punching bag. But before the tsunami of bad publicity, before Benefer entered the public vernacular as a tacky-ass, butt-kissing couple, there was a full-page ad in The Hollywood Reporter. I th- It might have been in Variety. Okay. One of the rags. It was one in of one those, of those. The trades. And this is how Ben Affleck allegedly decided to shoot his shot with his co-star. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Cannot fucking wait for this. <laughs> This is from the December 15th New York Times article. The Year in Ideas, Flirtation by Full Page Ad. In March, Jennifer Lopez was named Show West's Female Star of the Year. As is customary, several industry types, directors, producers, caterers, bought ads in the Hollywood trades to congratulate Lopez on the honor. But one ad in the Hollywood Reporter raised a few eyebrows. It read, in part... You have shown kindness, dedication, diligence, humility, graciousness of spirit, beauty, courage, great empathy, astonishing talent, real poise, and true grace. It has been nothing but an honor and a pleasure to work with you. I only wish I were lucky enough to be in all your movies. Signed, with love, respect, and gratitude, Ben Affleck. I I just, my soul just left my body. (laughs) This is like Tom Cruise jumping on the couch level. I'm just so in love. Tom Cruise is a creep for a million reasons, but jumping on Oprah's couch Not is one like, of them. Yes. what? Yes. We all remember that incorrectly. That's like the if, Howard Dean. Like, Yes, exactly right. Wh- if, if, there, if there is ever like a Tom Cruise song where I can talk about this fucking thing, this is one of my personal crusades. But yeah, this is like, but he's just like so unabashedly like thirsty for her and mm-hmm. doing it on, on Maine. Just like sure. in, in the fucking Hollywood Reporter. Yep. He now basically he... slid her a note saying, do you like me? Circle one. Yes. No. Exactly. Um, but he claimed he placed the ad to refute J-Lo's reputation for being difficult on set. Shut <laughs> up, you guys. Just do things in private. You know what I like the most about your new relationship is that it happened without me knowing. <laughs> She's still married to Judd. Back Chris to the Judd. times. Yeah. Yes. Whether Affleck's ad was the opening volley in a future courtship or a sly wink in the midst of an ongoing affair, his gesture should be judged by only one criterion, its success. To that end, Lopez and Affleck are now engaged to be married, a fact Lopez announced during an exclusive interview on ABC's Primetime. So they only made two movies together and they were, and they were like massive flops, right? Mm-hmm. Geely and Jersey Girl. Ben's response to was she still married to Chris Judd when they started dating, even though he already said they the director, were like he didn't do anything right he said oh the director tried to make the movie a love story a rom-com because of us mm-hmm. but then it's like he wrote that could have happened in post but mm, i don't know ben they literally had sex in the movie 
Yeah, so what? why does that make it a rom-com? <laughs> All right. He told Vanity Fair that is absolutely not true that they crossed over. Right. It goes against the fundamental code I believe in and live by. Being honest, doing things with which I can live rather than be ashamed of. Doing estimable things. Uh, you fucked the nanny, dude. Exactly. Like, I'm not like, I'm not like, hey, that man. That was my next sentence. <laughs> I, I, I'm not like judging you, but when you say like I live my life by a code, and that code is I only cheat on my spouse with the nanny, like, right? He's full of shit. So just for anyone who wouldn't know, but who doesn't know about this, Ben's marriage to Jennifer Garner ended because they quote grew apart while he was fucking their nanny. Mm-hmm. So this is actually Benefer 3.0 is what I we're talking about so. now. Uh huh. I just want to circle back to what you had asked me about the public hating Benefer 1.0. I think a lot of it had to do with them being perceived as like super tacky, but it was also really like a sexist patriarchal worldview that led to this interpretation. I feel like it's, there's also like a racial component too. Uh Uh-huh. That's a hundred percent. This is from Vulture. Affleck circa 2002 was considered a serious actor. He'd co-written Goodwill Hunting. He did Armageddon. He did Shakespeare in Love. <laughs> serious actor in Armageddon. <laughs> right. He'd just been named People's Sexiest Man Alive, and now the narrative went he was ready to take over Hollywood. Lopez, meanwhile, was considered a glamorous diva. While she'd proved her acting bona fides Stop with Selena. Diva. I know. With Selena in 1997, the public tended to overlook her chops as a thespian to focus on the spectacle of her body. Lopez's body in the Versace gown she wore to the 2000 Grammys, so searched for that it helped invent Google Images. That rules. Lopez's body dancing on the beach in the video for Love Don't Cost a Thing. Yep. The public understanding of each persona conflicted violently. Ben Affleck was someone you were supposed to take seriously, someone whose work you were supposed to engage with sincerely as highbrow art. Jennifer Lopez was someone you were supposed to love only ironically as lowbrow kitsch. How could you make sense of the pair together? Yeah, I mean, that's no small part because he's white and she's Latin. Right. A 2003 Vanity Fair profile of Ben lauded him for his low-maintenance stars. They're just like us, cool aura. Yeah, it's the it's the it's the him picking up the Dunkin' Donuts meme. Right. But paired with the quote ravenously ambitious Lopez who is married twice and sometimes appears nude in her perfume ads, that oh, was not no. okay. Ravenously ambitious is <sighs> not a good thing to say. No. Quote. Although Lopez is a canny manipulator of her public image, sordid tidbits about her past keep slithering out from under discarded rocks like Nasty little snakes. This is referring referring to an interview Lopez's first husband had given to the tabloids where he referred to her as cold-hearted because women have to be nurturing pushovers. Or maybe, like, she just didn't like you, dude. Right. Her ambitions are cold, threatening, scary. But Affleck's aspirational. Yeah, yeah, he's a provider. He's a whatever. So they're over... Leader, poised to take over Hollywood. Correct. So they're over-sexualizing her, obsessing over her body. She's a Latino woman. Her sex appeal somehow makes her inherently less worthy. And also manipulative. Yet when Ben was named Sexiest Man Alive, that's a symbol of success? Yeah, I mean, I think she doesn't fit the look of the girl next door. 
and we all wanted the girl next door for Ben because he was such a good a good Boston boy who got swept up in this madness of Hollywood and he didn't do anything to deserve it and didn't ask for it. Right. This Jennifer is the, this Garner. is the Jennifer Garner narrative, right? Yes. In July 2002, we're going to do a quick round quick rundown of the timeline of their relationship for the past 18 years. So they meet doing Julie. They meet on Julie. July of 2002, they're co-stars, they're friends, they're seen kissing and cuddling at a surprise birthday party. Okay? Okay. Uh, then July 26, two days later, J-Lo files for divorce after a two-month <laughs> separation. Rules. There was a two-month separation. November 2002, as I mentioned, that's when Jenny from the Block premiered on TRL. So they're already, like, way together. Ass mooch heard around the world. Uh, same month, they're engaged. Within months of her separation, Ben proposed at his mom's house in Boston. Fast. It was a big pink diamond. Do you remember this? No. Because that was like the thing that made like pastel diamonds like the no thanks covetable like canary diamond, pink diamonds, everything that's wrong with colonialist, consumerist, sex. I basically <laughs> can't see the color pink anyway. Insanus. Okay. So on July seventeenth, two thousand three, an interview airs with Dateline. Think about you two guys getting married with the helicopters and the paparazzi and the pictures. I think, the I think the thing that bums me out because it seems like to be so loud. I've never been to a celebrity. I think they event. do the helicopters when you're trying to hide and nobody can get close and everything. And I think one of the things that we're not going to do, or I, and maybe I should have discussed this with you, <laughs> is that... <laughs> is that... Please tell me, what are we No, I think, I I think a smart thing would to, to do would be like to not make it the biggest... The sec- no, it's oh. not to make it the biggest secret in the world. You know what I mean? If, if people want to be outside and they want to take our picture, then okay. You know, we're not going to, you know, be with 24 well, million security guards at our wedding. We, right? we want to just, just be like, have a nice wedding. We want to have, have it be a beautiful yeah. day about what it's about. And if there happen to be cameras outside, then that's fine. Hours after this interview, Ben reportedly goes to a strip club in Vancouver where the National Enquirer reports King shit. he cheated on J-Lo with at least one woman at and alleged that there woman? may have been a tape. Soon, <laughs> rumors start surfacing that she's not wearing her ring. And uh, he's also like famously drinking a lot at this point, too. Sure. Uh, she not making an excuse it, to say. He denies it. She told W Magazine, this is where we're at. You can't walk into a place and hang out with a couple of friends without it turning into a national scandal. August 2003, Geely comes out. The movie is basically canceled within three weeks. It's heinous. They are a month and a half out from their impending nuptials, set for September 14th. We're we're moving fast here, guys. (laughs) Moving quick. So September 13th, 2003, Benifer releases a joint statement. Due to the excessive media attention surrounding our wedding, we have decided to postpone the date when we found ourselves seriously contemplating hiring three separate body decoys at three different locations, we realized that something was awry. We began to feel that the spirit of what should have been the happiest days of our lives could be compromised. We felt that what should have been a joyful and sacred day could be spoiled for us, our families, and our friends. So this is kind of contradictory to what they said on Dateline, which is like that they wanted everything to be very public. I mean, clearly in the video, they are living their lives in public and they like it. January 2004, a headline from Chicago Tribune reads, Dumped. Dumped. 
In a statement to the Associated Press, a spokesperson for JLo said, I'm confirming the reports that Jennifer Lopez has ended her engagement to Ben Affleck. At this difficult time, we ask that you respect her privacy. No one respected her privacy. Yeah, and everyone respected her privacy. The end. <laughs> if only. Uh, it was the biggest heartbreak of my life, J-Lo told Apple Music reporter Zane Lowe of Canceling and that, the that's the clip that we watched. We saw Zane earlier. Yeah, yeah. yeah we saw Zane. And I honestly felt like I was going to die, she said. It hurt her so much that she couldn't perform any songs from the 2002 album This Is Me Then, which is not true because she performed Jenny from the Block, what, at the Super Bowl? I don't know, man. Whatevs. But time heals all wounds, right? Because five months later, J-Lo married pop star Mark Anthony, who she had dated back in 1999. Cool. Quote Jen, we thought that this was where everything was supposed to lead, that we were meant to be together. She wrote this in her book, True Love. All the heartache and the pain of my recent breakup couldn't have been for nothing, could it? Maybe I had to go through the bad so I could end up with the person I was meant to be with all along. Four months after that, so June 2004, Benifer, the sequel, Ben and Jen Garner, make their first public appearance as a couple. So those two met on the set of Daredevil in 2000. I forgot that they met on Daredevil. What another <laughs> horrible met. Ben, stop it. <laughs> And they later said they fell in love in 2002 while they were both in other relationships. So both She was in that Ontario strip club practicing for alias. Right? Both couples have a couple of kids. Very dramatic, very public divorces. J-Lo's is in 2011. Ben's, the sequel, is in 2018. He fucked the nanny. He fucked the nanny. J-Lo had a thing with A-Rod. Yankees suck. That ended in 2021, the same year that Ben ended a short-lived romance with his Deep Water co-star Anna de Armas. Anna de Armas, another flop. Ben, <laughs> what so are you doing? So now the fun part. April 30th, 2021, photos surface of Ben going back and forth from JLo's apartment. And then in May, this happens. Breaking, breaking, what? breaking, breaking news. Yeah, that's J-Law freaking out about J-Lo on her friend's podcast, The Bee Bible. Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck are back together. They're on no! vacation. They are on vacation <laughs> with each other right now. Clicking link in bio. <laughs> Reading out the very important news to her friend, it's obvious J-Law is living for Benifer 2.0. I'm so excited. <laughs> this is so weird. I feel this I this I feel very weird about this. Feel weird about it? Yeah. Good. Uh so now it's on. It's 2021. It is on. Sources tell E that it's just natural between them. The chemistry is unreal. They picked up where they left off and they're enjoying each other's company right now. I definitely heard this quote and was like, "Okay, guys, whatever." <laughs> Later that month, Ben was spotted on a balcony in a Miami waterfront mansion where he was staying with Jen, wearing the watch he was wearing in the Jenny from the Block video. Okay, so this is... The, I I have a question. Does that mean that he, like... Is this like a Taylor Swift thing where he, like, Easter knows? egg hunters went wild. I don't yeah, know if right? it was on purpose or not. Okay, whatever. Or, like... Or it's, like, somehow stupider for him to, like, go digging through his closet to find the watch that she gave him... To be, or the, the watch that he had in the video to like come over to be like, see Jen, I kept the watch. Like, what the what what's happening? But the piece de resistance of Benefer <laughs> 2.0. Yes. Is there more stuff about the ass? 
Yes, came in July 2021 when Ben was photographed caressing JLo's behind on a yacht in Monaco. Recreating the scene from Jenny from the Block. Whether or not intentional, the internet went wild. I feel like this stuff is intentional, though, because he did the watch thing and then also the ass thing. I mean, wearing a watch, like... I I guess. Three makes it a pattern. Is there a third thing that he did from the Jenny from the Black video? Were they on a yacht? They were on a yacht. Oh. Were they... Here, look at the pics. Side by sides. Ben Affleck touched Jennifer Lopez's butt, and fans are comparing the PDA moment to Jenny from the Block. And he's like, but he's like posing for the photo. I th- I think this is on purpose. Me too. But people liked it. Most people. So why why do we think now people are pro Benefer when they were so anti Benefer twenty years ago? I think the mood has changed. Okay. I wouldn't say the obsession with celebrities has changed, but the. I think people are more in control of it because they they post their stuff on on their own feeds now as opposed to like paparazzi like stalking and hunting people down. Which they still do. Yeah. But also I think people respect Jennifer Lopez a lot more. Sure. I think that that is definitely true. You know, whereas before it was like they're tacky. She's dragging down Boston's golden boy. Like, that is fucking tacky. Boston's golden boy is fucking tacky. Ben has made some mistakes. He's Mm -hmm. gone to rehab. So he's come down a peg or two, and she's gone up a peg or two. Yep. And who doesn't love, like, a reunion story? I guess so. Also, the world has been through absolute fucking misery, like, (laughs) since before Trump was elected. So we have to take small bits of joy where we can. Yeah, so since then we had the the entire Obama administration, the Iraq war, the financial crisis, all of Trump's presidency, Black Lives Matter, and now we just get like we get Benefer again just as a little treat. <laughs> this is our snack. This is our this is our little piece of sausage. Fans and maybe some non-fans alike, Benefer followers are highly anticipating the release of This Is Me Now. This is me now, 21 years later. We haven't heard any of the songs. The track list includes songs that reference Benefer's budding new relationship and marriage. Oh, like what? Like Dear Ben Part 2. Oh, okay. Pretty direct. (laughs) Mad in Love. Not Crazy in Love. Mad in Love. Mad in Love. Greatest Love Story Never Told. It should be like Wicked in Love. (laughs) Wicked in Love. I got a number. Greatest Love Story Never Told and Midnight Trip to Vegas. Because they got married in a midnight trip to Vegas? Is that what happened? Correct. Oh. So the two of them got married in July 2022 in Las Vegas. Jennifer J-Lo told Apple Music that the new record captures, quote, me at this moment in time when I was reunited with the love of my life and we decided we were going to be together forever. The whole message of the album then is this love exists. According to Variety, Lopez said she wanted to share that vulnerable message with the world, despite it scaring her. Quote, I think part of it scares Ben, too. He's like, oh, do you really want to say all that stuff? And I'm like, I don't know how else to do it, baby. Baby. 
It's so weird that this is like the the before sunrise of albums of Jennifer Lopez albums. <laughs> the morning after they got married, Jen wrote in her newsletter, "We did it." Last night we flew to Vegas, stood in line for a license with four other couples, all making the same journey to the wedding capital of the world. Barely made it to the little white wedding chapel by midnight. Stick around long enough and maybe you'll find the best moment of your life in a drive through in Las Vegas at 12.30 in the morning in the tunnel of love, through, in the tunnel of love drive through with your kids and the one you'll spend forever with. Love is a great thing, maybe the best of things, and worth waiting for. So I so I have a so I have like a logistical question. You said that they got on a late night flight, right? Mm-hmm. And then they got married at a drive-through wedding chapel. Drive-through of the tunnel of love. Drive-through of the tunnel of love, meaning that they had to either rent a car when they got to Las Vegas to go through the drive-through, or like in an Uber. <laughs> Which I f- fucking hope it was like in an Uber XL. Someone it's driving. Probably on the internet. You could look it up. I'm sure I could. So, yep. Love is a great thing. Maybe the best of things and worth waiting for. The end. The end. What are we going out on this week? So, I really wanted to go out on Taylor Swift's love story. We were both young when Please I no. first saw you. Please no. But for the sake of the brand, I'm taking us down a different road. Ben Affleck single. Jen, <laughs> you're wicked cool. This is Mary Queen of Scots from the History Teachers on YouTube. What? Queen and sovereign, famous in Europe, monarchs of the 16th century. Legends of her just keep on living. Wow, I hate this already. More than Taylor Swift. You know what? It's pretty even. Where can people find us on the internet? Find us on the internet at Lyrics for Lunch on Instagram and Twitter and at LyricsForLunch.com. And for longer and weirder stuff, you can email us at LyricsForLunch at gmail.com and check out our YouTube situation. We're on Vivo. Podcasts on Vivo. Podcasts on Vivo on YouTube. That's probably where you're... If you're watching us on YouTube, subscribe on the pod apps. If you're watching us on the pod apps, find find us on YouTube. And if you're listening and you want to see some weird shit, switch over to YouTube. Yeah. This is bad. This is really bad. This is really bad. See? Now Um, you wish wish it was Taylor. I do. So until next time, I'm going to be Rubenstein. Lindsay Tucker saying Southside Bronx Southside Bronx I'm still still Mary Queen of Scots You can talk a drama girl I got a lot Broken heavy hearted Head into my homeland Woman with the crown that I got I'm still I'm still Mary Queen of Scots Let you wish a power Where what you got No matter where I go I try to do the right thing
queen sold up the black man to the nobles and plots they hatching they killed your man and framed you caused you crazy Bathro came to make you his lady nobles rebelled and started a war you escaped from jail and headed for England majesty cousin Elizabeth was unwed jealous and had you beheaded with the crown that I got I'm still Mary Queen of Scots You're talking drama, girl, I had a lot You always come to Scotland, France and England Don't be fooling with the crown that I got I'm still, I'm still Mary Queen of Scots You can try to beat me with your silly plots No matter what you do, my end is my beginning Don't be fooling with the crown that I got I'm still, I'm still Mary Queen of Scots You're talking drama, girl, I had a lot You always come to Scotland, France and England Don't be fooling with the crown that I got Plots. No matter what you do, my end is my beginning.